Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris, founder and president of the Ruth Institute. December 6th is the traditional feast of St. Nicholas. Today, we bring you a special edition of the Dr. J Show. Father Mark Hodges tells you the real story of St. Nicholas, the historical figure who gradually morphed into Santa Claus. As you'll hear, the real life St. Nicholas was more than an icon of gift giving, and he was certainly not a symbol of overindulgence and overspending. The Ruth Institute is an international interfaith coalition to defend the family. We cross religious barriers whenever we can faithfully do so in order to work together for the good of the family. My colleague, Father Mark Hodges, is the producer of the Dr. J Show. And Father Mark is also a priest of the Orthodox Church of America. He put together today's program. And I think you'll see, whatever your faith tradition may be, that we can work together and learn from one another in a spirit of respect. And I also think you're going to really enjoy this edition of the Dr. J Show. Mr. Nicholas, good morning. Oh, good morning, Miss Tindall. Please, Mr. Nicholas, you can call me Liza. Okay, Liza. And it's actually Saint. So, Mr. Nicholas, we've had some very exciting expressions of interest. There's a request for endorsement deals, guest appearances. I'm still not sure I need an agent. Then how do you intend to craft a public image? By being merciful and just. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. So, as I was saying, we've had quite a few expressions of interest for endorsements. Uh, but first, we need to address a few small issues. Such as? Well, you're a symbol of Christmas, which is a time of joy and celebration. And there's a concern you're a little too serious. What do you mean, serious? Well, there's a lot of confusion about what you actually stand for. I stand for the truth of Jesus Christ, for, for justice, for the poor and oppressed. Yeah, truth and justice, that's kind of Superman's thing. We have focus group data that says that a fun-loving, jolly vibe would work way better. How did you do that? I was reading in your bio about some time where you secretly gave a family money. Oh, yes, yes. There was this family that was so poor, the three daughters were going to be forced yeah, to... Yeah, I like the secretly giving gifts angle. It needs to be much broader. Uh, a group of major department stores has suggested every child getting a toy for Christmas. The Parents Guild has suggested this whole naughty or nice thing for kid control, but I don't know, could drag down sales. Generosity isn't about deserving or naughty or nice. It's about letting people know they have value. People do have value, Mr. Nicholas. Just some demographics have more value than others. What is this? It's for the toys for all the good girls and boys. How am I even supposed to fit that many toys in here? Don't worry. These days, most of them will be gift vouchers. Now, we've had a lot of interest from food companies and restaurants and travel companies for Christmas to be a time of treating yourself. Good food, good times, that kind of thing. What's this? Well, we don't want people feeling bad about their figure. You're a role model. A fat role model that permits people to indulge themselves. Not fat, jolly. But what about charity and mercy? Uh, putting others before yourself. I once stopped an executioner's sword mid-swing. We want people to feel better about themselves. Executions and poverty are depressing. Trust me, this will go down a whole lot better with every demographic. This is ridiculous. It works, Mr. Nicholas. Look what we did to Valentine's career. All you need is love. Then there's the religious thing. The religious thing? Christianity isn't exactly in vogue at the moment. My faith is not a fashion statement, it's who I am. Yeah, but nobody has to know that. 
You can be happy and jolly and spread good cheer without anyone ever having to think about religion. But this isn't real. This wasn't, isn't who I am. This isn't about reality, Mr. Nicholas. I stand for Christ. At Christmas, we rejoice in his birth. Don't take that away. Don't worry. We'll have some TV specials at some stage. So maybe brainstorm some new names and I'll see you after my three o'clock. Easter is just a mess. to the Dr. J Show, a production of the Ruth Institute. The Ruth Institute is building an interfaith coalition to defend the family. We believe the best for children is mothers and fathers who cooperate in a lifelong union of love, surrounded by a culture that supports these aspirations. You can count on the Ruth Institute to know what they're talking about, and you can count on Dr. J to help you put your faith into action and make a difference. Santa Claus is one of the most recognizable figures in the world, but he is also one of the most misunderstood and falsified figures in human history. Nicholas was born in Patara, an important port on the Mediterranean coast of Lycia in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. Theophanes and Nona prayed and wept for 30 years, but still they had no child. When Nona became pregnant, they were filled with joy and gratitude to God. They named their child in honor of his uncle, a priest and monastery abbot. Nicholas's parents died of the plague while he was still a youth, and he went to live with his beloved uncle and the other monks of the monastery. Having inherited his parents' estate, he became known for his generous gifts to those in need. Once, Nicholas learned of a man who had fallen into utter poverty. The man had three daughters, and without any dowry, each of them was destined to be trafficked into slavery, or worse. In the middle of the night, Nicholas quietly crept to the poor man's house and threw a bag of gold in the window. The bag landed in a stocking left hanging to dry on the fireplace mantel. The next morning, discovering the bag of gold, the family rejoiced. The eldest daughter with such a dowry was soon married. Another bag mysteriously appeared and the poor father's second daughter was wed. After this second miracle, the poor man stayed up at night and hid, wanting to know who his secret benefactor was. Eventually, indeed, a third bag of gold landed inside the house. This time the father caught his generous donor. It is you, Nicholas, he cried. You have saved my daughter's lives. Nicholas begged the man to keep his identity secret. You must thank God alone for providing these gifts in answer to your prayers for deliverance. No one but God knows how many times Nicholas gave and was able to keep his identity secret. As a young man, Nicholas made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. After setting sail, he dreamed a terrible storm was coming and he warned the sailors, but he assured them, God will protect us. Indeed, the storm was fierce. The wind and waves made it impossible to keep the ship under control. The sailors feared for their very lives. Nicholas prayed, and the storm quieted. 
Back home in Patara, the Bishop of Mira died, and the other Lycian bishops gathered to select the new bishop. They could not discern who would be the right choice. Seeing their lack of agreement, one of the bishops of the council said that a new bishop should be revealed by God, not chosen by men. And that night, the eldest and wisest bishop heard a voice telling him to watch the doors of the church the next morning before matins. The first person to enter the church was to be the new bishop. The voice even added confirmation that his name would be Nicholas. The old bishop went in the darkness of night to wait in the church. And Nicholas, always the first to arrive at church, walked in as usual. What is your name, child? the old man asked. God's chosen one replied, My name is Nicholas, master, and I am your servant. There was no doubt that Nicholas was chosen by God himself. During the persecution of Christians under the emperor Diocletian, Bishop Nicholas was imprisoned in a dungeon with other Christians for refusing to worship idols. Yet Nicholas was filled with joy and concerned only about his flock. He sustained them, encouraged them, and exhorted them to endure all the fetters and torture for Christ. Many indeed were martyred for Christ, but the Lord in his wisdom preserved Nicholas unharmed. When Constantine was crowned emperor, Bishop Nicholas was released from prison and restored to his flock. Bishop Nicholas stood for Jesus Christ and against the foolish and damning lies of idolatry. He exorcised demons and brought peace to the land and clear thinking to the people. On more than one occasion, Bishop Nicholas risked his life to save the lives of men unjustly accused. But first and foremost, Nicholas defended the Christian faith. In 325, Emperor Constantine convened the very first worldwide council of all Christian leaders. Hundreds of bishops came from all over the world to refute Arianism. Arius was teaching that Jesus was nothing but a created man, and not divine, and not equal with God the Father. At the council, Arius forcefully argued his position at length. As he went on and on, Nicholas, on fire for Christ and righteously angry over the least of these Christ's brethren that Arius's heresy had led astray, became more and more agitated. Finally, Nicholas went to Arius and slapped him across the face. The bishops at the council immediately stripped Nicholas of his bishop's garments and threw him in jail. But during the night, some of the bishops had the same dream. Jesus and Mary his mother appeared to Nicholas asking, Why are you in jail? Because of my love for you, Nicholas replied. Jesus then gave the book of the Gospels to Nicholas. Mary gave him bishop's vestments. The next day, several bishops having confirmed the same dream from God, Nicholas was reinstated as the Bishop of Mira. And to this day, many if not most icons depict Nicholas with Jesus giving him the Gospel book and Mary giving him his bishop's vestment. After a long life of self-giving and labor for his flock, beloved Bishop Nicholas fell asleep in the Lord on December 6, 343. just heard Father Mark explain, the real Saint Nicholas grew fierce when he heard someone minimizing Christ. Those Santa robes are actually the Episcopal bishop vestments of a man of God. We too can battle our culture's Christlessness by following his example. 
Christians should boldly speak up in humility and love to admonish those who stray from the truth. St. Nicholas defended children, and we should too. In this age of drag queen story hours in public libraries and gender ideology in public schools, we need to speak up. These ideas and practices harm people, and that's why we stand against these harms. St. Nicholas stood for justice. We believe that every child deserves a relationship with our own mother and father as an issue of justice. Traditional Christian morality protects these rights of children. And the same Christian zeal that inspired St. Nicholas should also inspire us to speak up against the whole range of sexual sins, which really amount to sexual injustices against children, including things like cohabitation, the hookup culture, divorce, and many other things, as you probably can imagine. The real St. Nicholas wept for the sins of the people, and so should we. Love your enemies, Jesus tells us, and pray for those who persecute you. Only love will change hearts. Our number one strategy has to be to pray for God to open the hearts of those who oppose Christian teachings on marriage, family, and human sexuality. St. Nicholas was known for his generosity to strangers in need. He was recklessly generous. All Christians should have that same reputation. Generosity brings joy. Generosity exercises faith. Generosity is love made practical. Christians are called to live simply. Instead of thinking, what more can I afford to buy? We can think, what can I live without? If we live simply, we are free to give. So let's give sacrificially on December 6th in honor of St. Nicholas. Finally, we need to fast. Our Lord himself taught us that some demons can only be exorcised by prayer and fasting. The first Christians fasted every Wednesday and every Friday, along with the fasting seasons, such as the Great Lent. Today is a great day to pick up the weapon of fasting and use it. Along these lines, I want to tell you, as some of you probably already know, four Roman Catholic exorcists have issued a joint statement asking Catholics worldwide to dedicate December 6th as a day of fasting, prayer, and reparation. In their words, quote, to drive out any diabolic influence within the church, close quote. The exorcist cited in a particular way the recent Pan-Amazon Synod, when statues purportedly of Pachamama, a goddess worshipped by indigenous Indians, were incorporated into various events at the Synod. The exorcists say in their statement, quote, these events bring home the reality that we are in spiritual warfare and that warfare is happening within the church itself, close quote. We encourage everyone to fast and pray in a special way today in honor of the real St. Nicholas. Whatever your faith tradition may be, Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Latter-day Saint, or observant Judaism, we can all work together for the common good. Thank you very much. I'm Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse. A modern Nicholas, St. Nicholas of South Canaan, wrote, Fasting and prayer are two pillars of faith, two living fires that burn up evil spirits. Through fasting, all bodily passions are calmed and destroyed, especially immorality. Through prayer, all other passions of the soul, heart, and mind are calmed. Fasting is a tried and tested medicine for all the physical passions and a powerful weapon against evil spirits. Oh!
now for the most important part of our program, your action item for this week. Christianity has always taught that we need to prepare ourselves, not only for the Lord's return, but for any encounter, any celebration of the Lord's presence. We do that by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. The period of preparation for the great feast of Christmas is often called Advent, and it's not a time for drunkenness and partying, but for fasting and prayer and repentance. The feasting of Christmas, often called the Twelve Days of Christmas, begin on Christmas Day, not before. So set your mind and your heart on preparing for God entering our world, becoming one of us. Christmas is not a trivial birthday party for a baby, but is about the universe-shattering enfleshment of divinity taking our nature and raising it up to heaven itself, uniting us literally with God himself. As the Holy Apostle Peter puts it, partaking of the divine nature. This is serious business, and it requires personal preparation. Go to church, take the family, light a candle, Ask St. Nicholas to pray for you. Secondly, serve the poor. Specifically on December 6th, follow the example of St. Nicholas and serve the poor in his honor. Volunteer at a homeless shelter. Sort food at a pantry. Serve dishes in a soup kitchen. Make kits for refugees. Do anything to help those who are less fortunate. Another thing families can do to celebrate St. Nicholas Day is to read books about St. Nicholas. And finally, we can learn the song of St. Nicholas. And that's our action item for this week. In all of life, there are times of preparation and times of celebration or times of the fulfillment of that preparation, whatever it may be for. Before Christmas, for us, is called the Nativity Fast. It's a time of repentance, a time of focus, of quieting ourselves down, just for this period of time. Not that those things are bad, but there can be distractions. For this time, set them aside. It all depends on what we want to reap. We will reap what we sow. You know, the way the world prepares for Christmas is so different from the way the church prepares for Christmas, you can hardly say they're preparing for the same thing. In the world, you go from this party to that party and you have all these festive, scrumptious foods. In the church, you fast. In the world, we go spend money. We've been saving up all year to spend money and to buy presents and clothing. In the church, during this time, we give money to the poor. In the world, we get busy. Life is hectic. Everyone's in a hurry. There's so much traffic. Everywhere you go, there's noise. All the stores, so many people. It's crowded. Noise, music, always. In the car, music, noise. 
in the church, we try to slow down. We try to get a little more quiet, a little more still. Because it's been proven that this regimen helps us get prepared. And we don't want to get to Christmas too early. Sometimes I have friends that say, by the time Christmas comes, they're wiped out. They're tired, they can't wait for it to be over. Maybe they started too early to celebrate. Maybe what they were sowing was exhaustion. And that's what they reaped. What do we want to reap? My father loved Christmas. And he died two days before Christmas. <clears throat> and that year, my family said, at Christmas when God came to man, this year, man went to God. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go to God. We try to go to God to connect our heart to the heart of God. May we be prepared. You've been listening to the Dr. J Show, a production of the Ruth Institute. The Ruth Institute equips Christians to defend the family and build a civilization of love. Check out our website at ruthinstitute.org for helpful resources and support. Join us on Facebook. Our podcasts can also be found online at ruthinstitute.org. I'm Father Mark Hodges. Thank you for watching.